Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Yeah. 
Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. I'm so glad you're here. I hope someone has greeted you already this morning. If not, then welcome again. Uh, We are uh, this morning going to worship our God and Father in a little bit, but before that time, I want to say my name is Tony Moman, and I've been a member of this church for a while. Uh, If you are a first-time visitor here, we have a gift for you, and we would love for you uh, to meet some of the people that would be giving you that gift. So as you leave the auditorium today, if you would find someone in a yellow shirt, they would be more than happy to give that to you. Uh, we want you to uh, sign in, if you would. Uh-oh. We have a QR code, and there's a card on the back of the chair in front of you that has that on it, and it's up here on the screen. We'd like all of our members and attenders, everybody who's here, to sign in so that we know you're here. Uh, if you have a prayer request, you can also add that to that uh, to that uh, prayer request. A prayer request to that attendance, and uh, we would love to be able to come alongside you in prayer this week for that. Um, if you're interested in finding out more about this church or you want to get plugged into this church next Sunday at 10 a.m., we are going to have our class. It's called Discover Round Rock, and it's just a time for you to get to know a little bit more about us. So no need to RSVP for that. Just show up. We also have children's classes during that time. So if you would like to attend, we hope to see you here. Um, My second announcement is about one of the things that I just love about this church, and that's Champs Camp. The first week of June, which I think the dates are June 6th through June 9th this year, we are going to be hosting children from our community for our annual Champs Camp, which is a VBS-type format, but they come from 9 to 12 every day for those four days, and we get to do crafts and Bible and sports, and we get to just get to know some of our families in the community and be able to uh, have some interaction with them. But it takes the volunteers from our church in order to be able to do that. Uh, Our church plays the role of service, so we would want you to sign up. We also want our kids to be able to attend. Uh, If you would be able to sign up and help, with this, then your children can come. So that's how we are able to staff our Champs Camp, and we would love for you to be able to be here to enjoy these children from the community. Um, That's for ages first through fifth grade. So if you have children that are younger than going into first through fifth grade, then we actually have a little Champs also where you can bring those kids and they are also able to participate in Champs Camp. So that's great. So this is how you can help. You can tell your friends and neighbors about Champs Camp. Registration is going to open tomorrow and they can go to champscamp.org and be able to sign up, uh, be in prayer about the event, and then be able to sign up to volunteer on May 1st. So if you want more information about Champs Camp, you can go to champscamp.org and you can talk to our children's minister, Robin Mars. Uh, so that's a, our next big event that's coming up. And now I would like to introduce Candace Banks and she is going to read scripture this morning. Good morning, family. If you would please stand up for the reading of God's word. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 20 verses 1 through 9. Again, if you want to open your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. Early on Sunday morning, when it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved. And she said to them, They have taken the Lord's body, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter, and he arrived at the tomb first. He stooped, he looked in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, 
but he did not go in. Then Peter arrived, and he went in. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded neatly, and it was lying from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who reached the tomb first, he went in also, and he saw and he believed. For until then, they did not understand the scriptures that said that Jesus must rise from the dead. All hail the power of Jesus in the angels' prostrate fall. Bring forth the
So good morning, church. How are we doing so far? Ah, yeah, we got some energy and we're talkative in the room this morning. Hey, I just want to let you know, first of all, if we haven't met, my name is Zane. Uh, Good to meet you. Uh, We'll be in the back and would love to meet you personally at some point. I'm going to hug you later. Okay, thank you for being here today. Um, I know him. Okay, I promise. Um, I want to let you know just really fast. uh, If you see a praise team member, okay, any of them that are sitting on the front, I want you to go up. I want you to give them a handshake. I want you to buy them queso. I want you to kiss their forehead, okay? They spent hours at this church yesterday preparing and rehearsing for what we do before God today. So I just want to say thank you to those of you. I mean, some of you did six hours here yesterday. What? Absolutely, Candace. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. Y'all absolutely matter at what we do here. And also, uh, if you hadn't noticed, I also want to introduce you to a friend that's here with us today. Uh, Jeff Nelson and his wife, Carol, are also with us today. Carol's over there. Oh, man. Carol, you get a standing ovation. That's a round rock special. (laughs) Uh, If you you haven't met Jeff Nelson before, if you think I have a lot of energy, you just wait. Okay. You just wait. You just see it happening up here. I invited Jeff to come today, and the worship team is also going to help us. Uh, Today's service is going to be a little bit different uh, because we're structuring this whole service for you to be able to meet with God today. And I'm going to teach just for a couple minutes to go ahead and set us up for what we are doing today. But I want to be reminded of a conversation that I had with a member here a couple months ago. I remember after a really hard week, one member of this church came in and I knew it was going to be a very hard service to just sit through for them. And I remember that after service was over, they told me that they felt like even though they walked in here and walked out of here and they still had the same problems they walked in with, they feel like they do not carry those problems the same way after meeting with God. If I could convey what our hope is for you today is that when we meet, when we read scripture, when we sing these songs together, you have a chance to meet the living, breathing, active God in your life. And we need that. We need that Because when darkness enters our lives, hope tends to exit. Or at least that was the story for Vincent van Gogh, or as our Dutch brothers and sisters would say, Vincent van Gogh. Okay, you got to let the H just kind of roll there. If you've never recognized his name before, Vincent van Gogh would actually be the artist, the creator. I practiced that this week, okay? That took minutes to practice, Jody. It really did. He has created multiple pieces of artwork that you probably are familiar with. This would be Cafe at the Terrace. This would be at Eternity's Gate. Vincent van Gogh would actually not only just create art with his life, he would create art that would speak to where he was in life. What many people don't know about this artist that's influenced your life more than you know is that he actually was a person of faith. He actually grew up in a Christian household where Jesus was taught. But Vincent van Gogh actually left his faith. He deconstructed. He hit a season in his life where he said, I've reached so much disappointment and disillusionment with God that I'm not sure I buy into any of this anymore. And he actually portrayed this through his art. In one of his most famous paintings, Starry Night, he actually did this in a season of depression. And here's what Vincent van Gogh did with all of his different artwork. Hope was not just a reality to him. It was a color. And the color was yellow. And you'll see in this painting at the lowest point of his life, Most of it doesn't have any yellow whatsoever in it. And this was in the season where he felt like the truth of God was not available in his life. As a matter of fact, the only places of yellow throughout the painting 
or in the stars and the moon because Vincent said when he made this about the only thing he felt like could display truth was maybe the sun and the moon and the stars. Yellow was at an all-time low for him. And one of the things that I'm mindful of for us today is as you come to worship, I imagine for some of us, yellow has been stripped away from us in life. That the hope that we once had, the intimacy we felt with God, maybe just the positive attitude that we had, that there was hope for something beyond our life, has been stripped from us. And this is one of the many reasons that the church, I'm not just talking about Round Rock, I'm talking about the church, the worldwide church. The church has not just made Easter one Sunday, but that Easter is a series of Sundays back to back to remind you of the reality of this, that because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, God is alive and active in the world and in your world. And Christians in this time of the year, remember that God is alive and active. And that is crucial to remember, even when darkness is still around you. So here's how John will start this story that was heard today. If you have your Bible with me, I'll go ahead and turn to this passage. It's going to be in John 20. He's going to tell the story of what resurrected life is kind of like. Starting in verse 1. Of John 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary went to the tomb and saw the stone that had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one who Jesus loved. That's not pretentious whatsoever. And said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we have no idea where they have put him. Okay, now I want to stop you here because this is the reality that you know and I know that when darkness enters our life, we start to assume. Do you notice this? When life gets very complicated for us, we start assuming. We start assuming that our boss or our spouse or someone we love in our life will always be the same. We start assuming things like the kids won't ever change or the prayers that we pray will never be heard or the pain cycles of brokenness will not stop or that the new movie Top Gun won't be released till 2035. Can I get a witness this morning? Luke Cochran? Amen. Okay. Did you notice this isn't just our reality, but this is Mary's reality? That when darkness enters, we assume Mary comes to the tomb and she goes, this must be the work of human hands moving the body of Jesus. She doesn't assume that this could be the hand of God moving Jesus. And this is what the tomb speaks to your life and to my life with. That then empty tomb means that God was active in the past which means God is active in the present, preparing for something great in the future. The resurrection of Jesus is an invitation for you to look again at your assumptions about God. And what I want to show you today in this story is that resurrection is looking and glancing at the story of Jesus in three different ways. That resurrection is a process. You don't just understand all of it in the moment. It's a lifelong looking over and over again. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you notice in the passage, when you heard this story, you will see that the word look or saw happens three different times. And what's interesting is all three of those words are different words because they have different meanings. Let me walk you through the first one. If you look with me in your Bible to John 20, verse 5, the first time is when John bends down and he looks in. This is a type of looking that's the equivalent to a glance. This is like a quick look, okay? And that John glances 
at what used to be there is no longer there. That he has to consider, has God done something in this moment? That what he used to see is no longer there for him to see. Isn't this so true about life? That one of the things that, I mean, some of us, we are so in a weekly grind that we are completely settled with a life of just going to work, coming home, eating dinner, watching a show. But then when something in life happens, usually death unsettles us for a moment. When someone who is always there is no longer there. When what we thought was true about us isn't no longer true. What do we do with that? reality. All of us face internal problems and also terminal problems in our lives. And the resurrection asks us in our moments where we feel the most unsettled, is there a God that is active in the world and in my life? Or is this all just a board game of life that I'm just counting down the days? John even has to rethink his assumption of resurrection. Now, here's the thing. With the disciples, when they look in the tomb, they would not be shocked at a level of like, oh man, like I've never heard of resurrection. They knew resurrection. Jews, not all of them, but many of them in the day knew that resurrection would be a thing at the end of time. Just none of them would have expected it would have happened in the midst of time of pain and suffering and hardship. The resurrection of Jesus is an invitation first to ask, is God alive and active right now in this space and time? This is one way of looking at it. Here's the second way of looking at it. If you look at me with uh, John 20, verse 6, this is the second look. When Peter saw the linen wrappings and he stared at them, that they were neatly lying in the place by themselves. Here's the thing. If you are a parent, you get this second type of look. Okay. Here's why. Because folded clothes are a miracle. You know what I'm saying? Like I had a ferocious mother. She would, when I came home from school, she'd be like, did you hear today that there was a storm? I was like, oh gosh, no. Where was the storm? She goes, just check your room. Okay. Folded clothes mean something. What John's trying to say is when you stared into the tomb, there is evidence that something has happened. Jesus did not just wake up and break the tomb clothes that he was in. Nor was his body just stolen. There's something in the tomb that's waiting. The word that John uses for looking is the same word as like examination or reasoning. The resurrection is something we look at that we actually think and we actually reason with and we ask, what is happening here? Now, here's the thing with John and Peter. John and Peter have to wrestle with what they're seeing here. And there's a couple things that you and I wrestle with as well. When you think about the testimony of Jesus, there's a couple of cloths just laying around that no matter what, you have to ask yourself, what happened with this one? The first one is the body of Jesus. You want to know how to be able to debunk a rumor that someone rose from the dead? You present the body. Jesus just in a couple hundred years goes from nobody to somebody. And this man didn't have an Instagram account. He didn't write an autobiography. He simply lived his life. Anyone could have given and presented the body to say Jesus did not raised from the dead, but there hasn't been a body that has shown up. The second one was this, the origin of where this came from, whether we like it or not, like culturally at this time, if you were going to get a rumor started, it was not going to start with the testimony of a couple of women, which makes you have to ask if this came from the most unlikely source, could this have truth? Could this have happened? The third is this, is the disciples. We're talking about a group of guys who just days before completely left and said, no, thank you. At the time of Jesus being crucified on the cross. And then just weeks later, the same group of people that left Jesus 
are the ones who are suffering and dying for Jesus. In Acts, we're actually told that when people saw them, they were bold. And people could tell that they were not unschooled. There was not something special about them other than they had just been with the resurrected Lord. That is some evidence there. And then the last one is just the sources that comes by. The resurrection is not based off of one person having one vision that they're like, I think I saw Jesus. We're actually told that several hundred people encountered Jesus. And here's the most convincing thing as I've worked this out. The people who saw the resurrected Lord, they were not all people who were for Jesus. Keep in mind, people like Thomas, Paul, were introduced to Jesus. They had no Jesus agenda. And they come saying, I have seen the resurrected Lord. Resurrection also means we examine the evidence that is set before us and we ask ourselves, did something happen here? Is God active and alive? But there's a third looking that also happens as well. It's in verse 8, if you want to look there with me. So then John, the other disciple, he went in and he saw and he believed. When the, when this word is actually used, when he saw and believed, this is an active seeing. In essence, believe is not a noun. It's actually a verb in that moment that John actually steps into the place where death and resurrection has happened. And John actively believes even though his eyes struggle to see it. And this is the third invitation of resurrection. There is a asking what happened here and what's gone in my life. There's another question of just asking what happened here with the evidence that's before us. But the third is an active looking where you actually try out Jesus as the Lord. You enter into that relationship with Jesus to be able to realize and have relationship with the one who has conquered death. Faith is not ultimately just a set of statements of belief that you're like, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. At some point, we take those statements of belief and we enter into relationship with the one who made a statement over death himself. If you want to get to know Jesus being raised from the dead, then you get to know Jesus yourself. And that's why for the next couple of weeks, we're going to do this series. That's called First Importance. Because it's a series where we will walk through what are the five things that we receive from the resurrection of Jesus? How can we live into what Jesus has already done? Because it's a faith that we don't just create. It's a faith that we receive. There was a Christian monk by the name of Gregory of Sinai who said, only by participating in truth can you actually understand and share in the meaning of truth. In other words, at some point, these stories of resurrection you read in the Bible, you have to engage in for yourself. To be able to enter relationship with Jesus and the risen Lord is how you experience what has been repeated over and over. Let me put it to you like this way, okay? I could tell you. I could tell you that Chewy's is the best Mexican food restaurant in your life, okay? But until you have that creamy jalapeno for yourself, until you experience that yourself, I can only just throw words at you for what Jesus is like. The same thing is true. At some point, we have to say, we don't just read this to be able to say, man, these are some awesome stories, or I didn't know that 10 denarii equaled like a lifetime's worth of wages. No, we read this to be able to say, what was the encounter with the living, breathing, acting God like? And how can I prepare myself to know that this God is alive and active in my life? Look at the resurrection again and again and again. So that's what we're going to give you the opportunity to worship to today. Is to look at the resurrection 
over and over again. God is alive and active because Jesus is alive and active. And that in our life is what you were designed to testify. Let me lead us in prayer as I invite the team to come back up. Uh, so God, I'm, I'm reminded of your words that you give us in Peter. That you say, I want to know the power of your resurrection. Lord, I pray that you help us come to know that power. That power that has defeated death. That power that we can claim and that your spirit is bringing upon us. Spirit, in these next couple songs, can you convict us where we've just kind of entered into a life of assuming? Spirit of God, may you just stir in our hearts the patterns that we've just given ourselves over to instead of inviting the power of your resurrection to enter in. And God, I pray for some of us as we continue to sing these songs, as we come to the table today, I pray that you remind us of the moment where you revealed to us what you were like when we heard your gospel message. May you refresh us anew again. And may we claim your power that has defeated death. We testify to this work, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.
each other. In other words, the Jesus Christ raises his Christ. So this series, the first importance is sharing the testimony of Christ Christ's hand in the And the testimony of the hand in the age of the song Living Hope. And then after singing those words, I sing that That's my song. Jesus Christ is my living hope. Saying there, this is scripture I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know power of his resurrection. It's not just resurrection, it is power of the resurrection. And the participation of the Son is to not just to understand him, but to become God. We attend church every time we go to the church, and we have a sister. I love to go to church. As a little older, I realized I don't have to go to the I was listening, but what I was learning were rules. Rules that would bring me favor and acceptance from God. Yeah. I got them right. I like that simple formula. Do the right thing, and you get the right. Do this, and you get that. But I didn't realize that I was receiving and believing. When I, when I did well with the rules, I felt good. When I didn't do well, I felt bad and guilty. And that song, Living Hope, you didn't see the difference. I carried the spirit that faith well into the world here. And it didn't serve me well. It's not what we intended for. So, some of the university were absolutely right. I've done it for four years. What I have to give did not equip me to worship with fear and belief and confidence in our relationship with God that I am with God. So when I came over to the prayer meeting, I didn't know anything about it. So some people told me about a place in town, we were in Dallas at the time, and I was sure about it because I found the words of the Charismatic Church. Charismatic Church is so kind of me. The first time I went to worship leader training class was what I was called. Just come up and sit. 
Have you? 